Oh, hey, everyone. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. Uh, as you're probably realizing, two of my co-hosts aren't here. It's just me. It's Devin for now. Uh, we're having technical difficulties with Ryan, and Alan is actually out on a film shoot right now. So you are stuck with just me, uh, which is going to be exciting. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Ryan may hop in here pretty soon, but before he does, or if he does, I just wanted to chat. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to talk media. I wanted to talk uh, some of the new stuff that was going on. Um, part of it's vamping, waiting for Ryan to come. But then, you know, part of it is just going to be the show. Um, right. Look at how cool this room looks. I genuinely love how I have this set up. Um, it's kind of a step up from when I just had like a single color and sometimes I would occasionally look like Shrek. So I definitely appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Um, but I wanted to talk specifically about... Um, just shows that you guys or any kind of media news that you guys happen to know about in chat. So if you have any media news, please, please, please let me know. Poster is a bit away at me. Let's just put it over here. Look at that. It's over there now. I can point at things and know where they are because I'm in control of all this now. It's great. Alan, I have too much power. You've given me too much power. Um, but if you guys have any news or media updates, I would love to hear them. I have one uh, minor one. Actually, two. Two minor ones. First one. I heard that Bendergate uh, is officially over. Guys, I know that you guys have really cared about this. Bendergate is, uh, they're rebooting, rebooting Futurama, the show, and the actor that they got to play Bender uh, was originally not signed up uh, as part of the cast. He, um, due to contract negotiations, he actually wasn't going to be a part of it. He made this big deal about it on social media, and I think it actually worked because he is now back in the show. He's part of the, the cast, and... For me, it just feels like the right way to go. I'm not entirely sure what the details of the negotiation were, but if you're going to do something like reboot Futurama, it's like rebooting The Simpsons and not having Homer Simpson as the same voice actor, if you can help it. I think it's just something that you do. The other piece of media news that I happen to know is I uh, wanted to talk about a show, or I wanted to talk about a movie that's very near and dear to my heart that's coming out that I heard or have seen pictures of them uh, updating. Uh, specifically, they're making a biopic. <laughs> they're making a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic, uh, and it's going to star uh, the guy, Daniel Radcliffe, the guy that played Harry Potter. He's going to be Weird Al Yankovic, and they've released some set pictures, and I am just so excited about that. Um, and I do understand there's probably a little bit of a delay in chat. That's totally fine. Um, but I am so happy to talk, you know, really whatever you guys want to talk about. But I think in just about two minutes, I'm going to go ahead and start whether I have my co-host with me or not. And we'll just see how this goes. Uh, I have a couple of things to talk about before we watch this. And specifically, chat, if you could weigh in on the thing that I have to talk about or anything that I might have to talk about, I would be super appreciative. Um, yeah, I understand that I already know the shows you watch. But are there, is there anything new happening in it? So, for example, is the creator of Steven Universe doing anything new? Um, are they, you know, are they coming out with a new show? Those kinds of things. I would love to hear those kinds of things. Because, um, in general, this week has been absolutely garbage for media consumption for me. I've been absolutely slammed with work. Uh, and just kind of busy bumping around London. So I didn't get a chance to watch too, mu too many things. Except for really kind of the one main thing that I'm going to be talking about here in just about two minutes. Um... So yeah, I, I, I wanted to get your guys' read on that. You're all in the YouTube. Well, what's, okay, so what's good to watch on YouTube then? Because the other part of me is I will turn to YouTube and I'll go, you know what, I want to watch a little bit of this because it seems like, for me, YouTube's kind of non-committal. 
Like, I can have it in the background. But uh, lately I've been going on YouTube and I've been... I don't know. I, I haven't been finding the kind of stuff that I wanted to watch. So you watch mostly streamers. Probably a good call. I'll have to... I, I think I might have to just go ahead and get into streamers. I don't know why I don't watch them too much, but it might end up being a fun thing. All right. So it looks like I might be done vamping here, which is totally fine. So I'm just going to go ahead and launch right into the show, and we will see what we can do. Uh, we'll see if Ryan shows up. Maybe Ryan will show up. Maybe it'll just be me talking about this movie. And you know what? If that's the case, then you guys are going to hear all of my thoughts on this movie because, oh boy, do I have thoughts. I understand I don't have to like streaming, but I feel like it's that nice cross-section of something that I do like. So I do like watching video games, and there are video games that I'm interested in but just will not play. So I think that it might be a little bit more interesting for me to watch somebody else play a video game, uh, especially because then I won't have to spend my time playing the video game, especially if it's not something that I can either easily get or afford, or, you know, have interest, like, like Elden, Elden Ring? Elden Ring. That's like the, um, that's like the big thing, is that I really, uh, want to play, or want to watch Elden Ring, but I don't necessarily want to play it, so it might be a good one to watch streaming. Yeah, it's gonna be a solo show today, guys. That's what's going on. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and do a solo show, and if Ryan shows up, then I think Ryan shows up. So let me just do one second to start my recording. There we go. Looks like we're live. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Devin. Uh, I am not joined right now by my co-hosts, Alan and Ryan. They may be joining, uh, they may be joining shortly, uh, specifically Ryan may be, but we are having a few technical difficulties. So today you are uh, stuck with my dulcet tones. So what I wanted to start with today is I wanted to specifically start with uh, We Watched This. And by we watched this, I just wanted to start with I watched this because I did watch something this week. Um, and I, I really wanted to talk about it, especially if you're in chat right now. Please, 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 I want to hear your thoughts on this. So I specifically watched a show that I had been resistant to since I heard about it. Uh, it's a show that was made as a spinoff from the most recent Suicide Squad, uh, which is called The Suicide Squad. Um, so the Suicide Squad was the second kind of iteration of it. It was James Gunn's kind of shake at Suicide Squad. We had done a review on it on You Have to Watch This Podcast uh, in the past. It's a great episode. Do go back and check that out. But they made a spinoff from that show called Peacemaker. Uh, it stars, um, I can't remember his name. Totally fine. Um, John Cena is his name. It stars John Cena. And I, for the longest time, thought that it was just going to be a dumb idea. DC shows are generally a very, very hard sell for me, um, especially when DC shows try to lean into being a little bit quirky and a little bit different. You end up things that seem to me uh, just a little bit like, um, oh, what was it called? The the one show that Alan made us watch. Um, I forget what it was, but there's a, there's a quirky DC show out there. Uh, that, you know, it, it's fine, but they end up having kind of a very specific tone that I don't like. So I kind of begrudgingly turned on Peacemaker, like in the background of something that I was doing, just to see if it's something that I would even like. And you know what? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I see there in chat that uh, not a lot of people um, are kind of for this show. I see no Peacemaker for me. I'm curious about that. So I'm really genuinely wondering what it would take for me to convince somebody who hasn't watched it um, to get into it. So 
I will say right off the bat that in general, Peacemaker is a very, very funny show. Um, I think that, you know, it like I, I like the humor in it and it feels especially the writing feels a lot like the better parts of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. So I do really enjoy that part about it. The other part of that about it too is that it seems like he kind of, I don't know, I, I'm going to keep comparing it to Guardians of the Galaxy because I think that that's probably the most apt comparison that I can make. He compares it in a way that feels like he's taking, um, that he's taking the parts of Guardians of the Galaxy that I like by dialogue, but then also the music as well. So the music isn't like Star-Lord's like, you know, awesome mix playlist like he has in, uh, you know, like he has in Guardians, but it is kind of along the same genre where it's very much glam metal or like glam rock is like the kind of underlying soundtrack. And I didn't know I was as into this as I was. So I definitely learned something about myself. Now I see that people do have a hard time with DC and I had that as well. I really did. Uh, but to be fair on it's like at its core, I had a hard time like wanting to see a movie about a tree and a raccoon in space uh, until I saw it. So, I mean, for, for me, I think that it had to do with the competent writing behind uh, Peacemaker that made me respond to it or respond to it or be so happy about it uh, when I watched it. And it also does a good enough job of introducing you to these like superheroes in a very kind of grounded way that Marvel tends to do in a lot of their stuff and not this like their untouchable heroic kind of ways like the DC movies tend to do. So like in the DC movies, for example, like especially the Snyder cut of, of Justice League and, you know, the Wonder Woman movies, you don't necessarily get a sense of these characters as people. Like, yes, they do have a few flaws and, you know, they need to to tell a compelling story. Uh, but in general, what they end up doing with the characters in DC is they make them like almost like gods. And they did that really, really strongly when it came to, uh, when it came to something like um, like Justice League, they definitely made these people like almost gods, which, you know, to be entirely fair, isn't something that I'm particularly interested in. Like, for example, I don't know when Superman has a bad day. I've read comics where Superman can breathe lava, and that is not interesting for me. That guy's not going to have a bad day. But the people in Peacemaker, I think, are actually really coming to terms with who they are as individuals and then who they are as superheroes. So, I mean, it... It, I don't know, I, I think it was a really good kind of exploration of how you can take essentially this anti-hero. I mean, I, you know, the, the whole kind of conceit, essentially, of Peacemaker is that he is uh, a ty kind of a tired metaphor of America. He, um, he will, you know, I think his line is something like, I stand for peace, and it doesn't matter what, like, man, woman, or child I have to kill to get peace, which is really funny and really ironic. But then, like, it kind of comes to terms with what specifically that means when he says that. And does he even mean what he says when he says those things? And, and I really like it. Uh, it was a lot more character-driven than I was expecting. It was a lot funnier and a lot more vulgar than I was expecting by a wide margin. Uh, but no, I, I really liked it. Um, so that's kind of, oh my gosh, I think that was like 10 minutes on Peacemaker. But that was essentially my 10 minutes on Peacemaker. I think it's a great show. I would definitely recommend watching it. I mean, if you if you're on the fence about it, at least you know give it give the first episode a watch and see what you think. Um, and if anybody in chat has any questions about Peacemaker or thinks yet after my little ten minute rant on it, you still are not interested, please ask. Please challenge me. I am more than happy to talk about it. But without further ado. <laughs>
I did like the, the raccoon comment, thank you. Um, but without further ado, I think that we're gonna get into our main topic for today. Uh, it was one that I had uh, made Ryan and Alan watch specifically because we were going through some of our Oscar, our Oscar picks for the week. Um, one moment here. Yeah, specifically because Oscars are coming up. Um, I wanted to, we wanted to watch as many as we possibly could. Um, so we had, or we had watched, um, oh my goodness, what, we, what did we watch? We watched uh, Power of the Dog last week. This week we are watching another movie. It's called Being the Ricardos. Uh, it is a 2021 movie. I believe it's an Netflix or Amazon Prime original movie. Uh, that's at least where I watch it. I know it's free and available to watch on there. Um, it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, which I'll talk about in a moment. But the cast in this is stellar. I mean, uh, it's Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. It's Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. It's J.K. Simmons as William Frowley, who is the guy that played Fred um, on, uh, on I Love Lucy. Um, it's Nina Adriana, or Arianda, I think her name is, as Vivian, who is the lady that played Ethel on uh, um, Everyone Loves, or I Love Lucy, sorry. Uh, and then it also has uh, J.K. Simmons, Tony Hale, Alyssa Shawcott, I think her name is, uh, Jake Lacey, Greg Clark, or Clark Gregg, uh, Nicholas Franklin. It, it's this, it, it's a lot of cast that essentially you've seen other places. They're almost never like the stars, but the supporting cast in this is absolutely phenomenal. So uh, just to kind of give you an overview of essentially what the premise of this is, is this takes place over a single week over uh, in the life and marriage of the Ricardos where a lot of very uh, tense situations appear. So this happens over the same week that Lucille Ball uh, undergoes a bit of a scare where they think that she's a communist. Uh, and, and at that time, that was actually a really, really big deal and could have got you completely blacklisted from Hollywood. So she finds out about that. She finds out that Desi Arnaz may be cheating on her through a tabloid that she finds. And then she also finds out that she's pregnant. So she's dealing with these three very, very critical things all in one week. Um, and it essentially shows how both she handles it as a person, how she handles it as an actor, and how she handles it with her relationship with Desi and specifically how the relationship with Desi uh, plays out. Now, the, the format of this movie is something that I genuinely wasn't expecting. Uh, the format of the movie is almost kind of a documentary style. Um, it's almost documentary style, essentially. So the way that they do this movie is it's essentially the movie, but it's intercut with interviews of people who were actually there and people who are being portrayed in the movie. So essentially, you get the real-life people talking about how Lucy reacted to these things. And it's incredibly fascinating to watch that. I think that the way that it's framed makes it really interesting because you have that buy-in from the real people they're telling you what really happened so it makes this almost seem like it's a documentary and I find I, I, I found the format of it incredible so just in general I was hooked immediately when I started to see these real people that really interacted with Desi and that really interacted with Lucy talking about you know what it was like to work with them and specifically what this week was like so I really liked that and question they filmed this on the Paramount lot they did so um, on the Paramount lot, you have those signs to this day for Desilu Studios, which is the studio that they had opened up when they were under contract under CBS. And you have that specifically um, kind of set up, and I really like that. Uh, now, 
I wanted to kind of start my my talk with this um, about the movie in general, just about my relationship to to I Love Lucy, because I, I feel like it's important going into this to know specifically where I'm at with this. I don't know much about I Love Lucy. I know like the famous chocolate eating scene. Um, I've been on the Paramount lot before. I've seen the Desilu Studio sign. I've seen like you know where they've had their couple fights because they like have like there was like something where like Lucille Ball boarded up like a brick wall, like between her and Desi's office at one point during one of their fights. Like I've seen all of those things, but in general, I don't have a lot of history and a lot of buy-in for like, for I love Lucy. I don't even know some of the, the more famous scenes to be entirely honest. Um, and that's one of the things this movie did it was, is it would cut to black and white and show Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem acting out these classic I love Lucy scenes and, and honestly, some of them I just had to take it value, at face value of like, okay, I guess that's an I Love Lucy scene. It seems like it would have. Um, well, and I see in chat that uh, that my sister hadn't watched the show. I had neither. It, just, it was never, or yeah, it looks like not a lot of people have in chat. I mean, I haven't watched the show, and it just wasn't on in our house. Um, I know that Alan had sent me a few of his notes afterwards on this, and he said that uh, he had watched it a few times on Naked Night, and then for his wedding, he was actually gifted a DVD box set of Isle of Lucy, which I think is great. And, and, you know, I feel like this is one of those, like, kind of touchstones of, like, pictures, or of, like... <laughs> uh, I feel like it's one of those kind of touchstones of um, of TV. Uh, and I see Ryan in the chat that he can't wait to get in here, which is good, because I feel like he might have more of a background and more information for me on Isle of Lucy. But, uh, yeah, in general, I mean, I, I liked about the movie, the things that I liked, as far as the plot is concerned. I did want to say that I really loved kind of the setup and that kind of look into old school Hollywood and how old school Hollywood was both like simultaneously more glamorous than it is today, but also at the same time, way more terrifying and way more like just toxic than it is today. So on one hand, you have these like, you know, these nice, beautiful sets, these larger than life people like Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz are these like, you know, they're, they're stars. These are stars with star power in a way that I don't know that you get today. And you have these like big, beautiful kind of oak offices. But on the same notion, you have these like really, really misogynistic people with these weird views on how women should be viewed. I mean, they even bring it up specifically in the movie where the, the joke of the movie, or the joke of Fred and Ethel as a couple is that, you know, Fred is old enough to be her grandpa, but Ethel's too ugly for her. And, like, they bring that up as a major plot point and, like, what that means for the actor that's playing um, Ethel, like, and how that actually affects how she views herself, which is awful. So it's, you know, it's really, there are just some really sticky, gross parts of this and, and of old school Hollywood that this movie definitely brings up that I really, really, really appreciated because um, it seemed like it was almost an unflinching look at it. Now, when it comes to kind of an unflinching look at a particular person, um, I was really hoping Ryan would be on here because there was specifically a comment that he had made um, after his wife had seen this movie uh, about how Lucille Ball is portrayed in this. Now, I don't know much about I Love Lucy, but I have heard kind of the stories that are at this point Hollywood legend about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Um, I know that, you know, they used to get into these epic fights all over, like, different studio backlots. I knew that they were this, they, you know, essentially this Hollywood power couple, but I didn't know much about them personally. And they did a really interesting job in this at 
giving them both very relatable motivations, I would definitely say Lucy more so than Desi, where you do see Lucille Ball being very demanding. You see her being very upfront. You see her definitely saying, this is what I want out of this situation and putting her foot down to a lot of people. You see her bossing her coworkers around. But then what I think is more important is you don't just get that sense of, you know, Lucille Ball, uh, you know, oh, she's bossy. Oh, she's, you know, pushing this person around. Oh, look at what she's doing to Ricky. Isn't this awful? You get her reason behind it. And this is, you know, first and foremost, Lucille Ball's movie or Nicole Kidman's movie. And you end up getting this really interesting look at why Lucy was like that and what she was looking for this whole time that Desi just wasn't providing her and what Desi was looking for that Lucy wasn't providing her. And you get this really interesting view of a failed marriage and of, you know, two people that, you know, fell wildly in love with each other when they first met each other, but then very much not fell out of love, but realized that neither of them were going to give each other specifically what they wanted. There's a line in this movie that I, I really loved when they talked about their relationship. Uh, and and it's, a, it's, it's <clears throat> one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is you can tell that Aaron Sorkin wrote it. I love Aaron Sorkin as a writer. Um, I was actually having this conversation earlier today where social, the social media, uh, or the social network, sorry, is, is a movie that I very much like. But, uh, you know, I understand it's a bit problematic, something, something Mark Zuckerberg nowadays. But hold on. Hold on. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Ryan's here. Oh, I'm so okay, happy. So we need to back up on this a little okay, bit. Okay, good. Um, okay, so your experience with... Okay, hi, hi everyone. I'm sorry. My first... My, my laptop is old and it needed to do a bunch of updates even though it worked it worked for me yesterday to watch a hockey game on <laughs> and now it just doesn't want to anymore so i don't know what happened that's um all. you're here now and that's all that matters but anyway um so so we experienced yeah so your experience with the show is basically next to nothing yeah. just odd you're just like odd jokes here and there where you only get the joker reference if the person makes the wah sound. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I don't know that I really even knew about the wah sound until they brought it up in this. And I was like, oh, I guess she did do that. Okay, so, wow, I got a lot to do here. Um, <laughs> Ryan with the heavy lifting, of course. So I'm just going to do the, the basic summary. Okay, Everything good. that you saw in the night, like in the 80s, 90s, and even today when it comes to your basic sitcoms, mm -hmm. all originated from I Love Lucy. Really? The setups, the writing, the way the cameras are worked, everything. I Love Lucy is like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones for American music. Wow. Okay. So that's how important I Love Lucy is. And this movie is a travesty to it. This movie's a travesty to it. So everything you said about, you know, like the relationships mm -hmm. that, you know, that like Ethel and, you know, Lucy and all of that, yeah, that's fine. Like the way that they portrayed that was okay. Mm -hmm. I hated the way this movie was set up. Tell me, tell me what you, tell me what you hated about it. So you didn't like the, the fake documentary style? I hated the fake documentary style because if you're going to interview people, like, actually interview members of their family not actors well wait they were interviewing the the writers like the... Uh, no the writers are dead Devin, the people that wrote those tv shows were like in their 40s and 50s when the show was airing 
So the people that they had, and this is uh, this is not something I looked up before the show, but the people that they had talking about, you know, being that like older writer because you you got were actors. They were actors. Yeah, none of those people actually were the people that they were showing. But were they the real words from those people though? Do we know? I have no idea. I don't care. They should have. <laughs> they should have done if if they were going to. Here's. Here's what I think would happen. Okay. They made a movie and realized, wow, this is actually a really good film descripting one week mm-hmm. of, you know, I Love Lucy in the show. And like, it's the most, you know, turbulent week mm-hmm. of, you know, the show. But we need to fill this out somehow because it's only like an hour and five minutes. How are we going to do this? Oh, let's make it a fake documentary. Okay. Let's actually, I don't know, reach out to the actual family members. Mm-hmm. of those people that they were portraying like that that whole thing threw me off because i was watching it and i'm thinking to myself these people look young like were they like old rookies like were, were they all you know like first second year but the people they were portraying they were in their like 40s and 50s when the show was going on I, I, you know, I really very ignorantly either assumed they were very young whenever the show was going on, or they just aged immaculately. Like that's, yeah, so I just like took it for granted. It was one of those things. W- 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 when they did that, they completely lost me on it. Like so, like w- a second into it, they lost you. A couple of minutes because, okay. it like they were talking about it, and I'm like, is that no? It can't be because like. They were all around the same age as Lucy mm-hmm. and like everyone else. Like they were all in their like either the youngest people were probably in their like uh like young thirties, mm-hmm. you know, uh late thirties, and everyone else was in their forties and fifties. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't right because this definitely isn't footage from the nineties. You can clearly tell. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, so it's, it's like, like what days. yeah. Um, so there, I, I, I just, I really wanted to cement that fact that like, this is a, a truly fake documentary. Okay. Like I mean, the I, people yeah. that they are interviewing are actors. They are not the people that were like in, in, in the writer's room witnessing all this stuff happening. So then to your point, what would have ad- adding their real, like, so if you email or email, if you interviewed, you know, Desi and, and Lucy's like child at this point or their, or their grandchild, like what would that have done for the movie that these fake interviews didn't do for you? Actually based it in reality. So I wonder how much, and this is, this is, you know, the the movie's good. Mm -hmm. The, the the, the events in the movie and how they happened are accurate. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I was going to ask. Like, do you know the accuracy of the events? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all pretty much accurate. And for any inconsistencies in it, they're so small it doesn't really matter. Sure. In this grand, you know, in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but it was really hard for me to look past that once I realized, I'm like, these are actors. Sure. These aren't the actual people, and then that just like derailed my line of thought throughout uh, throughout the rest of the movie, um, because. Without those interviews, this is basically just a lifetime movie with an inflated budget. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it's a lifetime movie with, 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 with an inflated budget. I mean, that's exactly what this movie is. It just happens to be about Lucio Ball and and, and their most and I'm 
air quotes, even though I'm doing, even though I'm using them for the wrong purpose, mm. most you know stressful week of filming. Like, did you not think this was there? So I, I I love this actually because I I didn't get Lifetime movie from it just because of the layers they would add to each and every one of the characters. I feel like a Lifetime movie, it's all very surface level, very like like at the end of this Lifetime well, movie because it's a TV. It's because they're made for TV movies. That's what I meant yeah. by inflated budget. Well, I think it's. I think for me, it's it's the plot and the setup for it too. Like, I think if this was a lifetime movie, the end of this movie would have been love wins out over all, and then they like would have gotten through together. Not because like you know Desi Arnaz was able to get Jade or Hoover on the phone, but they they would have done it because you know the audience saw how much Desi Arnaz loved Lucy despite her troubled past. And they went on to make the best TV show in America because of it. Like I've, you know, I've watched, you know, my fair share of Lifetime movies. And I, I think that it was a little bit more deep than anything like that was going to be. So. There's a number of things. Okay. One, the whole. There's a question here. Did the interviewers cover any different information than what we got from the rest of the film? The interviews, I will say, the interviews act as connecting tissue to fill in what would essentially be Family Guy style cutaways. Yeah. So yeah, they, uh, yeah. They, they would. So for uh, my favorite version of this was at one point they go, Lucy was going to be a movie star. She was going to be in serious movies. She was going to be a serious actor. Something I didn't know about Lucille Ball at all. Yeah. I thought I thought she lucked into I Love Lucy and everything just worked out for her. And then they had, you know, a scene or two about what it was like for Lucille Ball to try to become a famous movie star, fail at becoming a famous movie star, and then what that looked like to help kind of feed into this notion because of, of, of... Yeah. And they would work in, you know, how crappy Hollywood was. At, exactly. At at that time. And those were the reasons why she didn't make it because she was 39 years old. She was billing herself as a, as a, you know, 35 year old and Hollywood thought she was too old to play leading female star roles. I mean, in the fifties, forties and early sixties, you got this all the time. And in you know, Ethel, Ethel, uh, the, the, the neighbors in the show with yeah. the actress playing the wife of their down, you know, uh, um, is of, is of, you know, their neighbors you would have this all the time where you would have the male actors in his like late fifties, early sixties. You can clearly tell he's in his late fifties, early sixties, but they pair him with a, with an actress in her mid twenties and they would just froof her up a little bit with her clothes and they would never say what her name was, but she was the love interest. So obviously she was just like a 40 year old or something character hollywood was notorious for doing stuff like this i mean hollywood is still notorious for doing stuff like this there's a lot they of are but it was yeah. a, it was a lot worse back then. oh i'm sure. i mean yeah um so yeah i mean they're pretty much used as like title cards almost yeah yeah they, they're kind of connected you know, it would break you. stuff up yeah mm -hmm. and so i mean that's fine like it, it's the overall premise of what they were trying to do with this movie i'm it, it's it's whatever if it's your cup of tea that's great i'm happy for you enjoy the movie <laughs> i however cannot look past the fact that they don't that it's they play this off to be 
a documentary mm -hmm. there's nothing saying that it's like a fake documentary which i understand that wouldn't be the great way to advertise a movie but at the same time then and devin no offense you get people like you who yeah. don't really know the show and don't and you know like you you're not thinking like hang on a second this show was on in the 50s mm -hmm. these people look way too young to be show writers from like the late 50s they have to be like 130 at this point exactly so and you know there's there's that but um where was i going before that before we answered the question i totally forget i'm well, sorry okay so so with that <laughs> note so let me make sure you it sounds like you're very yeah. familiar with i love lucy then yeah how did you think uh nicole kidman and uh oh my goodness they got to play desi how do you think they did yeah. They Javier did Bardem. fine. Yeah, they did fine. I mean, I could see it. It's it's Nicole Kidman. As far as I'm aware, she hasn't done anything recently mm -hmm. for for a while. And this is probably the most dramatic role, except for like Eyes Wide Shut. I think the movie was with mm -hmm. her and her husband at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, this is probably one of the more dramatic movies I've actually seen her in. Mm -hmm. So if she gets it good for her when it comes to awards i think i said my piece on that a few yeah. episodes ago i it's it's whatever i mean <laughs> um if she gets it good for her uh if she doesn't then you know this is as far as i'm concerned i think this kind of falls in the category of like oscar bait yeah you know i i was thinking about that before i had seen it i do like the movie especially you know the way that it kind of ties in its themes in the last scene of it I like it for that reason, but Hollywood does tend to really like itself. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this definitely seems like one of those movies that's made to be like, gee, wasn't Hollywood great? Look at these enterprising, like look at this enterprising couple in this great thing that we do. Yeah. And yeah. And, and now that we've talked about it, I, I remember where I was going. Oh yeah. <laughs> before, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> Besides, that was a really good question, by the way. So I just want to get that, get, to get yeah. that that out there like i i got sidetracked for a good reason so thanks for the question <laughs> um so my problem with the movie for me personally is that i am really interested in the whole blacklist and oh, yeah. during those communist trials and mccarthyism and all of that crap um i'm interested in that and when I heard, it was like, oh, cool, because this happened. Like, mm -hmm. she was, you know, accused of being a communist. The real story, which they covered in the movie, is how they, you know, dealt, um, dealt with it. Mm -hmm. um, but there is so much there that kind of lifts the... the... If you think of American culture, uh, mm -hmm. like our country's culture, the way it is right now... Mm -hmm as like a car engine okay okay this would be like opening up the hood of the car not mm -hmm. knowing a thing about cars okay mm -hmm. for someone opening up opening up a hood you hear like a little knock in the engine you open it up and the whole like blacklist thing mccarthyism trials mm -hmm. and all that stuff that's that's like looking at the engine and seeing the air intake like that's you know of all of the stuff in the engine compartment, that's uh -huh. like the air intake of a little bit of like American culture okay. and how it is a part of where we are now. 
I feel like that is such an important piece of American history that does not get covered enough in this medium. And I feel like this movie would have been better. I I know that it's about Lucy and her marriage and, you know, them dealing with that and her dealing with like three things at the same time and how she dealt with it and how she was the strong person. I get it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. fine. But I would love a movie of, regardless if it's factual or not, maybe half factual, half, you know, uh, half nonfiction, half fiction Mm -hmm. of her being accused of being a communist, successfully Mm -hmm. beating those claims, and then taking a fiction route and putting her in the middle of all these other people being accused of being communists and doing it from her point of view of like what actually happened in Hollywood and why these people were targeted. Not because they're actual communists, but but because the FBI and the CIA found out that they, you know, they were a little odd to the average American. So they had to be pinpointed <laughs> out. Like, I would love to see a, a movie like that. And to me, the reason why he's called it a, uh, a Hallmark movie is because they glossed over something that I really am convinced that is a major part of our, you know, like political history. Mm-hmm. Um, and gl- glossed some of that over and made it more about, you know, like their relationship in a way, which is, it's fine, which that is completely fine for anybody who wants to see that kind of movie. As soon as they brought in the whole red scare thing into this, I want, I want that movie. Well, it instead, and I was already mad because of the whole actor standing in as, you know, the people getting interviewed. So that, you know, that, and that's why my mind went there. It's like, I don't care about the relationship crap. Just give me the Red Scare stuff. <laughs> Red Scare. <laughs> I, so I think it had the same problem as Tick, Tick, Boom did. So it, it had the same problem slash same plot structure that Tick, Tick, Boom did. Where essentially, for Tick, Tick, Boom, things just started piling up on this person in the same week. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what happened there. Like, or why, like, this is suddenly the movie format. But this is what it is. A lot of stuff piled up for Andrew Garfield in a single week. And of those was something that should have been a much larger conversation. So his friend was diagnosed in that movie with AIDS or, yeah. H- or HIV. I think, it, I, I think it was just HIV. I think it was HIV positive. I don't think it made it to AIDS in the movie, but he was HIV positive in the movie. And they very much hint at the way that the AIDS epidemic was covered in the 90s um, yeah. and how it was awful, but they don't talk about it. And I think that, you know, if I were to be honest, I think that's a much more interesting movie. They have a movie called The Normal Heart that is a, an amazing movie specifically about that. But the movie uses it as something as something that its main character butts up against the entire time in much the same way that this doesn't address the Red Scare as much as using it as an obstacle for them, the, the main character to overcome. Yeah. When there's a much deeper, larger conversation to be had about it. There's actually a joke um about this in one of the lethal weapon uh, in one of the naked gun movies of course you know what i'm is. talking about i don't okay, i've never so seen them i believe it's naked gun 33 and a third which is the third one of um where it's it's a i'm not gonna spoil it so like okay. at one point in the movie they end up at a at a reward show mm-hmm. and they're opening up the envelopes and you know it's for the oscars or golden globes or it, oscars it's for the oscars mm-hmm. and they're opening up the envelopes and taking out the cards and they're reading it and 
and um and they're reading it and the one and i'm gonna botch this but this is kind of what the the jokes were like they were they would say the actor's name mm-hmm. and they would say for their role in you know the name of the movie and then they would say for playing you know like a broken-hearted man after you know for get revenge for his family or whatever yeah. against the background of the hindenburg disaster and then they'd go on to the next movie and it's the same thing it's this you know heartwarming story up against you know set set you know against the dust bowl you know like these you know horrible events and you know history and they're talking about these heartwarming movies set you know in like the foreground of that disaster Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i see this (laughs) just because there's some just because a movie is going on around a disaster and they're not really focusing on it just kind of like the whole thing from like tick tick boom Mm -hmm. and then this whole thing with i love lucy like there were these big things these national things going on Mm -hmm. set in the backdrop of these other you know of their story uh isn't there dealing with that so like in tick tick boom like you said it's the aids epidemic Mm -hmm. and you have him falling asleep in front of the tv where he's watching that congressman talk about well 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 you know if they wouldn't act in this type of behavior it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be an issue it's awful like you know like that which i mean at the same time how how many adults did you hear because i heard a ton of them say the same thing right right when i I'm sorry, but between the ages of five and ten, I heard that out of probably every one one out of every three adults that I had contact with between the ages of three of five and uh, ten, I I heard that statement from. Yeah. So, well, and it's it is you know on a kind of similar note, I can't imagine what it would have been like to live during the Red Scare, like what that would have been like, where like cancel essentially canceling somebody, which is essentially what it was. Yeah. was as easy as saying, well, I think they're a communist because they act a bit weird. That's enough to launch a genuine investigation that could potentially like completely yeah. ruin a real career that you've had and end, you know, end any chances of having anything in the future. That's insane. The best part was it, it ruined McCarthy's career. So well, I'm happy about that. That's also yeah. nice as long as he got it. Ru- it ruined him because it kind of turned out that like almost every single person that they were blacklisting mm-hmm wasn't real like either if they admitted they were a communist or not people started realizing like hey there's actually nothing like if if this one person in hollywood wants to be a communist out of the like 200 that they're interviewing and out of 200 they only got like four or five Mm -hmm. was this really worth it right like right it actually kind of showed people how few communists there actually were, and then it got swept under the rug, and then it became, you know, people started after a few years after those uh, investigations ended, people started to dig it back up uh, out of under the rug again and started using it as an insult. It was like one of those things where it's like, yo, it was kind of like McCarthy showed the country it wasn't as big of a problem as people thought. So they were like, crap, we've been, you know, outed. And then they stopped talking about it. And then like four or five years later, they're like, oh, good. People forgotten about this. We can call them a communist again. But they just didn't do trials. Right. Hence why I really like that era. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie uh, Hail Caesar? I have not. That's a Conan Brothers movie, right? It's a Conan Brothers movie. It has George Clooney. It has Matt Damon. It has Scarlett Johansson. It has Jonah Hill. 
it's completely star-studded cast and it's entirely about the red scare and so this is the difference between you and me you see conan brothers and you see all these actors and you go oh this is gonna be good yeah which has burned you in the past i would like to point out Um, we'll get there we'll get there and i see that and i go this doesn't have any chance of being good as any other movie i'll see randomly like that's just one of those things like it doesn't i'm like oh okay good these people wanted to you know hang out with their buddies and make a movie cool (laughs) moving on (laughs) this movie specifically on the notion of things being burned by this this movie specifically i was really excited to see because i'm a huge coen brothers fan i showed my family some of which who is in chat right now uh, a trailer for the movie and went oh my gosh i love coen brothers you guys need to see this movie we're going to the movies this is the movie we're going to see we went in watched the movie i left it and went it was great everyone in my family unanimously agreed that it was the worst movie they've ever seen so there's that i don't think it was coen brothers but that happened to me with burn after reading was that coen brothers that was coen brothers yeah, because the trailer looked awesome. Like, my yep. wife and I thought it was going to be the funniest thing ever. And then we got, like, 30 minutes in, and I think we laughed once. And, and again, it was like that thing where, like, that was a joke. We know that was a joke. But that wasn't funny. <laughs> was a... uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. So but, we're running yeah. a little close to show end, and we haven't talked yeah. about the J.K. Simmons in the room. How did you J.J. feel about Simmons? How did you feel he was about my him? favorite part of this. Me too. <laughs> he was my favorite part of this. Um, oh. I ever since I ever since I kind of like there are two. I never understood where people would say like at one point in their life that things changed for them, like yeah. their mindset, the way they view things. You know, they they they, they go from being a you know. In, and an easygoing person to like a more you know intense person or they do the opposite and that's what happened to me when i left my old company that i used to work for i've used to say their name all the time when i left walmart (laughs) it was like some some something shifted in me like yeah I I used to be the go-getter, the, you know, oh, you want me to be promoted to this position? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm ready for a challenge. That part of me's dead. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, am, I am a simply easygoing, you know, just, just let me do my job that I like. I don't care how much I'm getting paid because I'm not making as much as I used to, mm-hmm. but I'm happy. And the amount of stress that I don't have to deal with anymore is part of my payment that I see compared to what I used to do. Um, And that's how I am. So I have been starting to relate a lot to like the blue collar workers and stuff. Uh Like in, you know, Cheers, I watched a few episodes. I identify with the guys at the bar, like the mailman (laughs) and stuff. Like I am all about them. When it comes to Star Trek, there's a character. um, His name's Chief O'Brien. He is the blue collarist blue collar character in the entire franchise of star trek mm-hmm. and he is my favorite one because after his shift he goes to the bar and he drinks and he and he just he puts in his shift he goes back to his quarters to his family and he's a and he and he's a family guy and he goes to the bar and he drinks and he hangs out with his friends and he couldn't care less about rank 
right because he's been there and he's done it and he doesn't want it anymore so he just he's he just he shows up he does his work and he and he keeps his nose out of other people's business mm-hmm. and he's not afraid to kind of jump out and admit that he's wrong Okay. So, I mean, he's just your average person. And I identify with those characters a lot more now than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so I definitely, like, especially when they said, oh, you know, you were on Broadville for, like, you know, so many years, mm-hmm. and now you're doing this. And the fact that, like, he goes to a bar in the middle of the morning. Like, I don't do that, but that's that's the type of people that I kind of work with. Like, that's the mentality that I right. kind of work with now. And to be honest, I couldn't be happier. So when I saw him <laughs> and the way that they were portraying him, it was perfect. It was perfect. Well, I liked his change in character too from the very beginning where he was like, ah, you hear that kid Dennis is a commie? And like, they're like, no, it's not Dennis. That's the character. Well, what's his name? It's Dennis. Well, I said Dennis. Well, that's his character. And like, like that like bit where he's like, ah, he's a commie. I'm not listening. To like yeah. the end where he's like talking about his feelings genuinely and openly with these yeah. people that, you know, and like, good. I mean, so... Alan left me a few notes about this, and one of the notes that he left was he said that he believes that J.K. Simmons deserves the Best uh, Supporting Actor Oscar over the the son from uh, Power of the Dog. Oh, yeah. And and I think I'm with him. I really do. The yeah. son from Power of the Dog was good, but this was such a good performance. Well, because, I mean, he nailed it, because everything that he did, like, his character was grounded. He, mm-hmm. he was, and... I took the, he was a, what's the frame of, uh, a plumber actor or mm-hmm. like, a uh, a, 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 a plumber actor, like, uh, a, uh, a working actor, something along those lines. There was a documentary about a baseball team that was, uh, that was a non affiliated MLB team that was in Portland. Uh-huh. Um, and it had to do, uh, the guy that started it. Oh, what's the actor's name? Snake Plissken. Oh, from oh. the yeah, from Escape, from, Escape New from New York, Escape from LA, him, his dad, um, loved baseball and he's the one that started this baseball team in Portland. And he got his career from doing a lot of the, you know, the, you know, like weekly, almost daily cowboy shows in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. He was, he was a very well-known actor doing that. Um, And that's what he called the the guys that worked on those shows because they showed up in the morning, they punched the clock, they worked for, you know, they acted for eight hours. Yeah. And then they would clock back out and go home. And they pretty much had the same routine as like a factory worker, but they were actors. Interesting. And that's the impression I got from uh, Simmons mm-hmm. in his role for his character. His character, he, 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 he wasn't acting because he wanted to act for a living. He was acting because it paid his bills so he could live outside of the studio. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, and I, to me, that's yeah. much more realistic than, like, you know, I can relate to that. I clock in and do my job so I can enjoy my time off. Yeah, exactly. And, and that sounds like what he's doing, too. And he's also enjoying yeah. his time off while he's working, too, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you could tell he was hammered in that opening scene. That was hysterical. Oh, he's, so oh, he's seven years old. What was a seven year old do a politics for? 
See, I like that. So, okay, having seen how it, or I Love Lucy and having, yeah. you know, your your history with it does knowing. So I didn't know any of the stuff that happened in this. I didn't know about the Red Scare. Yeah. I didn't know about her. I didn't even know she had children, to be fair, which I'm, I'm, I should have guessed she had children. Well, um, I mean, if, if, if you've never seen the show, mm-hmm. I mean, like, that was a big arc in the show. And, yeah, she was the first TV character to be pregnant even though wow. they use the term with child because they wouldn't use the word pregnant right right um but she was the first she was one. the first one wow. she was the first one that they would actually do it and that was one again i mean like i did laugh throughout the movie because mm-hmm. even though i had my problems with it there that there was just some stuff that is just funny right. in this especially when um uh, uh he gets the telegraph and he looks at it and oh, he acts yeah. like he's upset and then the producer reads it. And <laughs> I and love that back scene. To him and he's just dancing by himself yep. because he was proven right. Like that, <laughs> that scene was great. That, that was legitimately funny. There, yeah. I mean, there are moments in this that are funny and I would recommend it to watch at least once. Yeah. It's just don't, it really irritates me that they used actors for the whole interview thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why it peeves me so much, but it does. Well, I mean, it, it makes it disingenuous. I mean, I almost feel a little bit lied to because the whole time I was like, wow, they got, they got these interviews. That's really great. And what a, what an yeah. interesting, I mean, you heard me before I, before you got yeah, on. Yeah, I did. Talk and about that's why I put the comment tool. that I did. And that's why I put the comment that I did. I was, I was doing everything I could to my laptop to get on faster. It was like, I gotta say something. I gotta say something. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then it's the thing. It's like I don't know these people. I don't know the characters behind it. But like, does does it add a layer of anything when you if you were to rewatch I Love Lucy, like you an episode comes on, does it add it would, a layer knowing who these people are behind the scenes? I mean, I guess it kind of does uh, to a point. Is it, like here's the thing. Like, Kristen and I, Kristen was more of the I Love Lucy watcher before mm-hmm. I was before I knew her. Um, and we have a few of the seasons on DVD. We watch them occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that their marriage ha- had issues. Mm-hmm. We knew about the whole thing, um, about how the actress that played the downstairs, you know, the, the, the uh, that, that played the wife next door mm-hmm. couldn't be thinner than Lucy was. Cause it was part of the character. I like that was that. some. Yeah, that's what the whole breakfast thing was about. Wow. Ethel was not allowed to be skinnier than Lucy. Wow. And that's what that was all about. Like, they were friends, but Mm -hmm. their friendship was a little, you know, contentious, if that's the right word. Because she was not, I mean, like, like they said in the show, like, the butt of her joke is that she's young and she can only marry this old guy because she's not that attractive. Like that's Mm -hmm. the unspoken running joke with Ethel. Wow. And that got to her and it did. She did. The actress did develop somewhat of an eating disorder and they kind of glossed over it in this. They kind of just did that one scene and that was it. But then, you know, she figured, Hey, it's whatever. And she just went with it then. But yeah, like she, so, I mean, there's that. Um, You had the whole Red Scare thing going on, which that was, which, you know, that was temporary. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is stuff that every I Love Lucy fan knows, but it doesn't prevent them from watching the show. 
And, and that's interesting. So with knowing that all of that was real. So, I mean, like I knew that the breakfast thing was contentious. I didn't know that it was a well-known fact, like the, you know, yeah. that should be, I didn't know those things and how deep it went. I almost feel like there's so much material here on, you know, that could have been explored in a lot deeper way. Like, could this have been like a series? If, like if they actually, I, I don't know. You mean maybe if they didn't do the narrative of a fake interview and actually took all of that time to actually do scenes? But I wonder, like, at what point is it still doing it justice? Or, like, so how, how far do you explore the fact that she was that controlling to her friend and what that friendship looked like in a vehicle that's meant to just be for her and Desi? Like, how much does that then distract and add more B-plot than is necessary Versus, like, if this was a 10-episode miniseries and we could explore all of these characters. If this was a 10-episode series, you'd get uh -huh. bored quick. You I'm sorry. So? But, okay, so Lucio Ball was a force in yeah. Hollywood oh, for yeah. a long time. But that was pretty much after the show. I mean, she was during it, obviously, mm -hmm. but she was seen as, like, a star. Mm -hmm. After is when she really got her teeth into, like, the business aspect of it. I mean, hell, you wouldn't have Star Trek without her. I didn't know that. I didn't know. To you be didn't fair, know that? I, to be fair, here's what I think Lucille Ball did. I think okay. she was born in her 30s. She starred in a TV show called I Love Lucy and then promptly disappeared on the off the face of the earth in a puff of TV magic. And that is all I know about her. I heard that she fought with her husband while it was happening. I don't know she had a career past this show. I know yeah. nothing of this. Uh, okay, so she... She loved the idea of 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 um, of the original series oh, wow. of Star Trek. She loved the idea. Mm -hmm. The studio owners did not. Oh, weird. She pushed them. Wow. So on a lot of my Star Trek groups, there is a photoshopped picture that somebody made of her wearing the modern-looking retro, um, uh, uh, like OTS. Uh, yeah. pants uniform uh -huh. um, of hers is like an April and on her like birthday people like celebrators being like the mother of Trek because Aww. if it wasn't for her it would have never gotten off the ground I did not know that that's really cool yeah um, so there's uh, so there's that but I mean yeah I mean she even if she was born in her 30s and only did this and yeah. didn't do anything else after it, it would be like if the Beatles and Rolling Stones did what they did and then instead of, like, you know, having two Beatle members still alive and I think most of the Rolling Stones are still alive, surprisingly so. enough. Yeah. How does that happen? Anyway, um, it would be... It would be like if the Beatles and the Rolling Stones had their 15 years of fame and then died in a plane crash at the same time. It would be one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're not around anymore, but their influence is still everywhere. Right. And it's the same thing with her. Like, you wouldn't have, like, Third Rock from the Sun, mm -hmm. Frasier, like, Frasier, Cheers, Friends, Seinfeld, uh, Big Bang Theory, all of those shows are still shot on the same premise that I Love Lucy started. Wow. Yeah, see, that's cool, though. Like, I don't know, I, I, I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't realize its place in, in like, TV history, because 
I yeah. knew it was a big show and everybody liked it, but I didn't know that it was that influential well, and that makes me like. And it. they also did cartoony gags. So like you know about the chocolate. Yeah. Okay. You now know about the grapes. Yep, I know about the grapes. You, you, uh, what other gags do you know? Not shows. You don't need to know episodes. Just gags that you attribute to I Love Lucy. It, it, and if that's it, that's that it. That's be, fine. That might be it to be okay. fair. My favorite gag uh-huh. is the bread loaf coming out of the oven where it just doesn't stop. Where like it comes across the kitchen and like squeezes her up against the counter. What? <laughs> the gags got cartoony after a while. Yeah, it, they, it sounds they, like they it. really did. Um, and then there was another one where she got so famous in the show, her character, because of her husband, Ricky, got so famous that she was going to do this like tonic uh, commercial. Uh huh. And instead of drinking like one, instead of um, she was told not to drink it. If I, it's been a while since I've seen the episode, but yeah. she was told not to drink the stuff. And this is referenced in the movie, so 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 so, so that's why I'm talking about it. Oh yeah. Um. Instead, of, she was told that really not to drink the stuff, but she did anyway. Uh-huh. And it had like a twelve percent alcohol or like a 10% or 8% like alcohol content in it or something Whoa. like that. And so she's taking a dose every time she does the line, but the line is like Vischer Maischen you know, that big word when yeah. he says here, remember this line, you know, it's not your business. And the and other she one goes, she says that, that big V word. Yeah. That's what she's trying to pronounce in the gag, but she keeps on getting more drunk so she can't pronounce it. So she keeps on slurring her words because she That's gets funny. blacked out drunk doing take after take after take. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, funny. like I said, like, even today, the majority of the gags in I Love Lucy stand up based off that. Yeah, I mean, that's fair because, I mean, I'm even thinking about Shit's Creek gags that I've seen that are basically that. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I I Love Lucy is definitely something that I really think you would enjoy, like, watching an episode, like, once a month, if you can, you know, yeah. if you can do that. Just watch an episode a month. And then, yeah, just, and I'd still genuinely like it. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it stands, because it's funny. And she controlled the writers. Like, she wasn't a, she really, I mean, she was a pleasant person. Not, she wasn't a pleasant person to work with. I bet. But she was a pleasant person. But like I said, not someone you'd want to work with because you saw in this movie how she could be. Right. Well, and but the thing that I liked is that, yes, it showed her as being demanding and as being very, like, you know, forward about it all. But she had a reason for it. And the reason and that's what I think I loved the most about the movie is the movie could have very much been look at how controlling, look at how angry, look at how mean she was to these people. It was look at this real person who has a real reason to be doing these things. And, like, you, you really empathize with her by the end of it. And you go, okay, well, I get why she was like that. Yeah. And I like that. Like, that's the one. That's I was expecting to hate Lucy and hate Desi by the end of this. Like, yeah. you know, you have this sort of being the Ricardos. I understand it's going to be about their terrible marriage. I was like, great. I'm going to hate both of them and never want to watch I Love Lucy again. Yeah. I didn't have that. I like both of them a lot. I understand where they're coming from, or at least how they're framed in this. And I kind of do want to watch I Love Lucy because I now know what's behind the scenes. Yeah, and it's it, it's. I I recommend it. That's the yeah. easiest way to put it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. So yeah, 
we are at about the hour mark. So is there anything else yeah. about this movie that you wanted to bring up? No, I mean, I got my stuff out of the way already. I mean, <laughs> it was, I had, I had one major gripe that what I ranted about was a. <laughs> Perfect. I'm happy. Well, I'm happy we got that then. I'm, I'm happy that we, I got to hear your side of everything too. Cause I was like, you know what? If someone's going to be able to talk to me about this movie in a way that I want to talk about this movie, it's going to be Ryan. Yeah. Cause I know you had that history with I love Lucy and that's what yeah. I wanted to know. Dang it. Mm, yeah. And I also, I think I mean, needed an adult to tell me that the actors were actors. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> I mean, like I say, as long as you go into the movie knowing this, I yeah. don't think it'll be a problem, mm -hmm. but I had no idea. Yeah. than what it was and all of a sudden i was like why are they interviewing is this a documentary <laughs> and and then they were like kind of telling that they were you know saying stuff and they went to the movie and were like oh okay these are the people you know that that you know work that worked with them and then it, it, it and then like halfway through that first actual movie scene or the, the beginning part i was like hang on a second this is the late 50s this is like the late 50s, maybe 1960, you know, well, yeah, the late 50s. Is that footage from like the 90s? Mm -hmm. And then they went back to the interviewers and I'm like, no, no, this is this is HD film. They're wearing <laughs> modern styles of clothing. This is they're actors. No. And I just it again it off took the you right out of it now i get because that. it was one of those things where it was like don't do this like any filmmakers out there i know i'm not you know i've said it before and i'll say it again i'm not really a movie critic person i you know i give what i think if you want to see stuff that i hate go ahead if you like it great i hate critics personally um but there are just times when well yeah no for all filmmakers mm -hmm. that want to be filmmakers out there, don't do this, please. <laughs> please, if you're going to do a fake documentary, make it obviously fake. Like, give it a fake historical situation that's happening, and you want to do, like, like, a movie version of, you know, the book World War Z. Do that. Don't do this. It has to, it has to pass the Devin test. Does Devin understand that they're fake? Does Devin understand that they're fake? Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved here. I would have loved this movie. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know that you and Alan are not really big on zombies anymore, mm -hmm. but this is how I'd like this type of setup for a movie. For a zombie movie. These, these are interviews of people who have survived the zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. We as a society are past what happened. And then they're interviewing people about what they dealt with and then cut to um, a movie type scene of what they were talking about and then go to the next survivors and then do the same thing. That's pretty much what the book World War Z is. Yeah, and I heard it's a really good book and that the movie Oh, it's didn't an do awesome it book. Yeah, I heard the movie it didn't did do it not uh, The movie took the name of the book mm -hmm. and took a few of the things that people went through, threw it together and made their own thing. Yeah. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's not the movie's not bad. The movie's good. I like the movie. Mm -hmm. I would not call it, you know, it's not based off the book. I mean, they took ideas from the book, mm -hmm. but it's not based on the book. It's very loose. It's very, very loose, which which I'm fine with people doing. Yeah. I would much rather people take people doing. Yeah. I would much rather people take ideas from a book and do their own thing and say, hey, this was inspired by the book. Mm -hmm. I would like that personally. 
but to do what they did in the book, you do, you, you would need a mini series. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it sounds like it covers a lot of ground. Oh, it, it does. Zombies crawling across Chinese submarines that are sitting on the bottom of the ocean to hide. Wow. Oh, it's great. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I love the book. Wow. <laughs> well, on that note, um, it doesn't sound like we have anything else to talk about in relation specifically. We started talking to... about zombies, so I think and we're it, good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're now on to zombies. So I think that's all we have for this week. Um, Ryan, is it your pick next week or Alan's? I think it's Alan's. Pick. So then we're going mean, to have to wait till later this week to find out what we get to watch next. Uh, we have to wait until, well, actually here, let me pull up the schedule. Yeah, no, it, it, it's Alan's pick. Yeah. So then we'll have to wait till later this week to find out what we watch next. I can't wait. I wonder what it's going to be. Um, but until next time, if you, you know, if you like what you're seeing today, feel free to follow us on any major movie or music streaming networks. So, you know, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music, we're on, um, I think we're on Audible even. Um, if you want to reach out to our socials, we have some fun stuff coming out. We are You Have to Watch This Pod on Twitch. If you're following us on Twitch, go ahead and give us a follow. Uh, we're really hoping to get to 50 soon, so that follow is really helpful. Um, on Instagram, You Have to Watch This Podcast. And on Facebook, we are YHTWT Podcast. Uh, so feel free to follow us on any of those social media networks. We're always happy for the follow. But for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Devin. And I'm Ryan. Feels weird with just two.